Good morning, Mary Methodist. Today, we'll be reading from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says this, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, I want to pray for this sermon uh, that we are just about to hear, God and that it speaks to us, and that we, we learn from Simon what God is speaking to him and through him. Give us ears to hear your word, God, and a heart to absorb it and to apply it to our every single day life. In your name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Uh, my name is Simon Campbell. I'm the director of worship and mission here at Marion Methodist. The Throughout this sermon series, uh, Becoming What We Were Born to Be as the Church, we've been looking at the uh, book of Acts because it lays out really the early days of, of the Christian church and, and all the ways that God was moving through them and, and, and causing them to become what they were born to be. And in that same way, we hope to be able to look at those same things and apply them to our lives and to our context today. The passage we read today is a remarkable account of healing power. Stories of miraculous healings amaze us, right? They're, the power to heal is an incredible thing. Even for all the advances of modern medicine, humanity is still largely powerless against things like cancer, genetic disease, and other maladies that continue to change and threaten life as we know it. We have seen this play out a lot in recent months with the virus that is on everyone's mind. The power to heal is an incredible power. Now, the Bible tells us that we as the church are born to heal in the Lord's name. We are called to be a conduit of God's healing power in the world. But how does this work? What, how can this be? What could this possibly look like for us today? And where do we, the followers of Jesus, fit in this call? You know, a lot of times I think that, that Christians in our culture have a hard time knowing really what to, to do, knowing what to do about God's healing power. You see, belief in the unexplained, the, the miraculous healings, go against the process 
of modern medicine, which is to discover reliable treatments that have predictable results. Now, not only that, you know, I think that if, for those of you who listened in on Wednesday night, Pastor Mike shared a couple of stories of, of healings that he has experienced or been a part of, and some of, we, we hear those stories of laying on hands and praying and, and calling upon the name of the Lord and these miraculous healings happening that are unexplained. Even some med- medical professionals have given witness to miraculous healings taking place, not knowing how they happened but just that they happened. But on the other hand, we also know plenty of other stories. We can think of many prayers for healing that go unanswered or answered no, and no miracle occurs. Why does this happen? What is, what's different when one person is miraculously healed and another is not? How are we supposed to embrace the call to heal in the Lord's name with all of these questions? I think these are natural questions. Well, the passage that we're looking at today in Acts 3 teaches us a lot about God's healing power, but I'm, I'm going to focus specifically on three things. We're going to look at these three things. The power to heal belongs to the Lord. Second, God's healing happens at just the right time. And third, God's healing is more than just skin deep. So the power to heal belongs to the Lord. God's healing happens at just the right time. And God's healing is more than just skin deep. First, let's take a look at this first one. The power to heal belongs to the Lord. You might be saying, well, Simon, duh. Like, But I think a lot of times we treat healing power as our own possession. You see, when someone someone is used by God to heal another person, we often give the person that was used to heal the credit instead of God. Now, if you don't believe me, take a look at this passage in, in your Bible and look at the heading on the top of that passage. Now, the headings, the bold headings in our Bibles... Are, are not included in the original, te- in the original um, language, in the original script, just like the verse numbers. Those things were added long after these scriptures were written. Now, oftentimes they try to summarize what's going on within a certain section. They're not intended to necessarily help us interpret them, but I think that this one, personally, skews what's happening in the passage. This is what shows up in my Bible. Peter heals a lame beggar. Now notice it doesn't say God heals a lame beggar through Peter. It gives, the way that this is stated, almost gives that credit to Peter. And I think that's our nature as humans. When we see God do something incredible through someone, we immediately think that there is something incredible about that person. Rather than recognizing the incredible power of God. Now, Peter himself, in this passage, a few verses after our, what we read this morning, cuts off, he's talking to the people who witnessed this miracle because they're looking at him funny, and he's like, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Peter himself says that in rebuttal to that assumption. 
it's natural for us to think that there is something supernatural about someone performing these miraculous signs. But throughout the Bible, God shows that he often chooses to use the ordinary or even the lowly, somebody we don't really expect much of, to perform incredible wonders. That's why I think, personally, that the Bible editors say, at the, as the heading, Peter heals a lame beggar. And I think that's the same reason why we as Christians are often hesitant to believe that God can work miracles through us. We believe we have to be exemplary, that, that, that there needs to be something incredible about us in order for God to do incredible things through us. But remember, the power to heal belongs to the Lord. This power is unexplainable, uncontrollable, and unpredictable, and it belongs wholly to the Lord. Because this mystery, because of this mystery when God's healing happens, we, I think, place an undue importance on the one through whom the work was performed, not the one who actually did it. Interestingly enough, Benjamin Franklin has something to, to say about this. He says it this way, God heals and the doctor takes the fee. Now, it's natural for us to try to explain the unexplainable with what we can comprehend. We don't understand how or why God heals in certain circumstances and not others. So we lend significance to the wrong place. Whenever you uh, recover from like a routine cut or, or maybe have a surgery or uh, an illness, we often look to the medicine, the doctor's wisdom, and the equipment used as being responsible for our recovery. Now, I'm not saying they're not important, but doesn't also the maker of our bodies and their innate processes to heal deserve the credit? The doctor's knowledge is of no use without the things that God has created, nor the equipment, nor the medicine. That's what this quote from Benjamin Franklin is getting at. In this passage in Acts 3, the healing power of God is what healed this beggar. Peter had no authority on his own to perform this miracle. This miracle was done in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, and it is by this authority, by Christ's authority, that the divine power of healing broke through and mended this man who was lame from birth. Peter had no authority of his own by which to do this work, and the credit for this miracle does not belong to him, just as he said to those who watched it. The power to heal belongs to the Lord. There are many of us, I'm sure, that are watching this, and myself included, who have sat at the deathbed of a loved one and asked for a miracle. My Aunt Connie passed away uh, in August, three years ago, actually, and I, I remember standing around her in the hospital with my cousins, and we were asking for a miracle because she had suffered a, a sudden brain bleed 
and totally unexpected thing, and it, it was threatening her life. We asked for God to intercede with his healing power in the name of Jesus Christ, and yet the answer to that prayer was not the one that we wanted. Now, I think that something like this can create a sense of guilt sometimes, thinking that our faith wasn't strong enough to heal the one we love or that we were not worthy for God to work through us in that way. But that's not what this passage says. This passage teaches us that the power to heal belongs to the Lord. It is not by our, our own power or worthiness that God's healing is given. This brings us to the second teaching of this passage. God's healing happens at just the right time. Luke, the author, the, the guy who wrote the book of Acts, does something really interesting to drive this point home, I think. If you notice in the passage that David read for us this morning, the temple gate that the disciples met this beggar at is called the beautiful gate. And Luke mentions this a couple times. It seems at first kind of like an unnecessary detail, but when we read scripture, I think that those seemingly unnecessary details are often really important. So I dug into this a little bit, and biblical scholars argue over which, of, which temple gate Luke is actually referring to because there's not an official record that lists a temple gate being called officially the beautiful gate. There's lots of other names, and they can talk about all those things, but the reason um, that, that Luke refers to it in this way is unclear. It must, and it makes people think that it must have been just kind of a, a common, casual name for this gate used by the people. But the word that Luke uses to call beautiful, the beautiful gate, is... Um, it's often, it, it can be also translated to mean in the ripeness of time or at the perfect moment. Kind of has this sense of what we would might call like serendipity, okay? Because Luke uses this name twice, I think that, that this is important to the way we see the story. You see, the beggar in this passage was crippled from birth, Right? He wasn't crippled from an accident or an injury of war or something along those lines. This is something that he was born with. He had uh, spent his whole life this way. There were probably many attempts in his early years to overcome this disability, but ultimately the only way he could provide for himself was to beg at the temple gates. So when Peter and John come up and they approach this man, he was not expecting to be healed. Any hope of that had probably disappeared a long, long time ago. I think this is why Peter and John have to specifically ask him to look at them. He was so used to just kind of blending in, almost being a part of the temple gate, a poor fixture of people's experience walking into the temple. And yet, by this beautiful chance encounter, this man was going to experience the healing power of Jesus Christ at just the right time 
to become a part of Christ's church emerging in Jerusalem. Now, we may not understand why, but just as that word means in the ripeness of time, at just the perfect moment, God's healing happens at just the right time. You see, everyone who came through that temple gate, the, be- the gate called the beautiful gate, they would have recognized this guy. He had been begging there for most of his lifetime. This is why the people in the temple were so amazed when they saw him walking, jumping, and praising God in the temple courts with Peter and John. There's no questioning that this man had been healed because he was so easily recognized. They had seen him begging in front of the gate for years. His constant presence in front of the temple was one of the things that made him an effective witness to the power of Jesus Christ. After waiting so long, in one beautiful moment, his story is transformed completely into a living witness of God's healing power through Jesus Christ. You see, friends, God does not rely on our assessment of when it is the right time to pour out his healing power. There are many examples of this in the scripture. This man that we're talking about, he'd spent his whole life begging at the temple gate. The, The woman who touched the hem of Jesus' robe, you remember that story? She bled for 12 years before she was healed. Lazarus, Lazarus, one of Jesus' dear friends, was ill for days before Jesus decided to go to him. And we know that Lazarus had died. But there's no amount of time passing, no string of failed cures too long that, pre- that can prevent God's healing from coming at the right time. And so we who wait can live in hope and confidence in God's timing. The third thing that this passage teaches us is that God's healing is more than just skin deep. You see, in Jewish society, there were portions of the temple, like different sections of the, of the temple complex that were closed to anyone with a, a disability or, or certain illness, illnesses, Anyone who was in a situation like this crippled beggar would have not been allowed to worship in the same way as everyone else. Because, and because he had been crippled from birth, remember, he would never have been allowed past the gates where he was sitting. He would have watched all the people coming in and going out, always on the outside looking in. But if, so I think it's important. If you notice in the passage, the first thing that this guy does when he's healed is he goes into the temple with Peter and John. He's walking, he's jumping, he's praising God in the temple courts for the very first time in his life. Not only have his crippled legs been healed, his status and place in the community has been transformed. After spending a life being considered unclean, unworthy, he was now instantly included as a full part of his people. He's moved from being on the outside looking in to being able to participate fully in the worshiping life of his people. 
You see, this is, that, this is the transformation. The transformation that happened to this man is the transformation that Jesus promised to make a reality. When Jesus first began his ministry, he quoted Isaiah 61 saying, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, Jesus promised those who were hurting, the outcast, the downtrodden, those who were on the outside looking in, that they would be welcomed into the kingdom of God. We see a similar passage about Jesus' coming in Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God's healing is more than just skin deep. As the church of Jesus Christ we need to expect and embrace God's healing power that's made available to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the source of healing power for all the brokenness of the world. Jesus can give peace to the anxious as easily as sight to the blind. He can give victory over addiction just as he can unstop the ears of the deaf. And if he can make the lame leap, he can help the depressed find joy. If he can make the mute tongue shout aloud, he can certainly offer forgiveness for the guilt-ridden heart. The same power that flowed through Peter to heal this crippled man at the beautiful gate is available to us in the name of Jesus Christ. If the church is to become all that we were born to be, we need to embrace our call to heal in the Lord's name. We must be a part of bringing the healing power of Christ wherever we are, to our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families. We need to be looking for those who are in need of healing, who are on the outside looking in those who have been cast out from the society that we're living in there are many in need of healing but they're often invisible just like all kinds of people would have walked past this man going into the temple there are many in need of healing but they are often invisible unless you're looking for them now there's there's one more thing that I want to point out about this passage, this story. The passage says that every day the crippled man was carried by others and placed at that beautiful gate. Day after day, year after year, they placed him in front of that gate, unaware that one day he would get up and walk on his own. They couldn't have known that on that particular day that this man would be healed, but God did. I really want you to think about this. If we are going, we as the church are going to be what we're born to be, we need to seek to bring others to the beautiful gate, to the place of opportunity, to that moment where everything lines up, and we don't know exactly when that's going to be. We never know 
when that beautiful moment is going to arrive for someone we know and the healing power of God flows into their lives, there are those in our lives that we hope and pray will receive God's healing power and enter into full participation in the worshiping community of the church. We don't have the power to heal them ourselves, but in small ways, perhaps, we can bring them to the gate. Whether it's through kind words of encouragement, through sharing what God has done for you, by providing for them in a time of need, inviting them to worship, you can help bring people to the beautiful gate. We never know when that beautiful moment is going to arrive and everything's gonna be just right and the healing power of God can transform their lives. But we can try to bring them to that gate every day. You see, friends, whether we're used by God to allow his incredible healing power to move in miraculous ways or whether we're just part of bringing somebody to the gate, if we're gonna be the church that we were born to be, we must be committed to healing in Jesus' name. If we, can if we can embrace that call, the church can become truly what it was born to be. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we come before you this morning confident in your power to heal, that it belongs to you alone, Lord. And that you, we ask that you would reveal to us opportunities that you would make the invisible visible to us, that we would see those in our lives, in our communities, in the, in the places that we are that are in need of your healing. And Lord, we pray that you'd give us the boldness to call for your healing power in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, in the rest of our actions, as we go through our day-to-day, -day, Lord, we ask that we would look for ways to bring people to the gate that we would look for ways to carry people to that place, to that place of opportunity where everything lines up and the beauty and the glory of your majesty and healing power can flood the lives of those we love and cherish and transform them into the people and into the church that you've called us to be. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take these next few moments as an opportunity to reflect on your offerings. Mm -hmm.